0: this morning, before we get back into John, like we're going to next week, I really just want to look at 2019. In um, really, as we look at 2019, it's a different year, right? It's a new year from 2018. Uh, many of us had good year, many of us had bad years, many of it was just a normal year for us, but as we look at a church, as a church in 2019, it's a new year, but it's the same mission, it's the same goal, it's the same thing that we're working towards uh, and we're going to see that this morning. That's ultimately what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the mission statement. Uh, we're going to look at what God is calling us to do as a church. And um, really our mission statement is a mission statement you could take to any church in any location. And you could plug it in there and it would fit no matter where you're at. And so we're going to look at our mission statement. But we're going to also look at some context. We're going to look at some ways that uh, not only myself, but as, uh, as this years went, past years went by, kind of some ways that we feel like we can work this out and pr- accomplish this mission, this year, and then we're going to look at three things that it's going to take to accomplish that. And so this morning, if you would, let's look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, uh, 12 through 27. Um, I'm not going to ask you to stand this morning. I just want to be laid back, and it says this, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the bodies of the, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body—Jews or Greeks, or slaves or free—and all were made to drink of the one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but many. The foot should not say, uh, "The foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body." That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, "I am uh, not an eye, I do not belong to the body," then what? Uh, would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, then where would the sense of hearing be? If the body, the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But it is God who arranged the members in the body, each one of them he, cl- he chose. If all were single members, where would the body be? As it is, there is many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body seem to be able to able, uh, weaker or an indispensable. And those who parts of the body we think less honorable, will we bestow the great honor of not uh, our present presentable unpresentable parts are treated with greater than the body, giving greater honor to the part that is lacked. And there be no division in the body and the members may have the same care for one another if one member suffers all suffer together if one member is honored all rejoice together and then verse 27 says now you are the body of christ and individually members of it let's pray dear heavenly father we love you we thank you we glorify you this morning god be with me as i take and look at Uh, the mission statement of the church and how it's backed up in scripture father and be with me as I expand on each and every part of scripture that is open this morning God be with us as a congregation in 2019 father let us seek your will let us seek your desire let us seek to share your good news to the lost individuals around us to the world around us father because that is our calling that is our responsibility as a church and as individuals God I just thank you for this day I thank you for the opportunity to be with my family this morning and open up your word and expand upon it. We love you, we praise you, we glorify you, and your son's perfect and holy name, amen. So this morning, as I said a minute ago, uh, we're going to be looking at the mission statement once again. Now, I, I read First Corinthians. I'm going to get to that later on. And so if you were not here when I did this analogy with the potato heads, then you can just sit there and wonder what I'm going to be talking about in just a moment. Uh, but if you are here, you know what's coming when I get to that part. But I want to look at this mission statement. The mission statement of our church is that Lighthouse Community Church exists to make mature and multiply disciples by loving God, one another, and Um, The unbelievers. Now, the reason why this mission statement is so crucial and that we should understand it is that it's based in Scripture. Every part of our mission statement is part of what Scripture has to say that is a responsibility of every church and every individual. Uh, Because when you really look at it, there's really four different parts, uh, really two parts. It says make, mature, and multiply. And that is accomplished by loving God, loving one another, and loving um, unbelievers. Now, when we look at this as a whole, what we're going to be looking at is that this is our calling. This is what we are called to do as individuals, as a church. And this is what we should be doing in 2019. And not only is this something we should be doing in 2019, but we're going to look at a few ways in which we plan to accomplish that, and then we're going to look at how we will go about that. And so what we see first and foremost is this idea of make mature and multiply disciples. Um, this is something that comes directly out of Scripture in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, you've heard me read this Scripture many times, and I will read it uh, until the day that Christ returns or I die, because this is our calling. This is what we are called to do as believers. And really we see this, this idea of make, mature, and multiply found in these three scriptures because in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is a beautiful part right there is that all authority and all power and everything is in the hands of Christ. He is stronger, more mighty, more sovereign than anything else on this earth. And that's where our calling, that is what our responsibility hinges on. It doesn't hinge on ourselves, it doesn't hinge on our own ability, but it hinges on the fact that Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth. And so that's when you get to verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see this first thing, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So it's our responsibility as individuals, as a church, uh, as Southern Baptists, as we come together and cooperate together, it is our calling, our responsibility to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Uh, First and foremost, this idea of making disciples. What What does the scripture mean here? What are we talking about when we look at this principle of making disciples? It's evangelism. It's going out and sharing the gospel with individuals. It's going out and telling people about what Christ has accomplished for us. It's going and telling people that there is a perfect and holy God that is our creator and that we are sinful and fallen and have been separated from him. And if that's where it ended, we would be hopeless. But because of Christ coming and dying upon the cross for our namesake, that we can now respond to the gospel and have eternal life through him. That is the gospel. That is exactly what it's talking about, going and sharing the gospel with individuals. Now, we're going to look at this in more detail later, but that is why we're going to be doing this study for the first eight weeks of the year. That is why we're going to be focusing on this. We're going to focus on this in multiple ways this year. But it's our responsibility as individuals and as a church to make disciples of all nations. Now, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with sharing the gospel with somebody. Because if we stop there, we've only done part of the job that God's called us to. If we stop with just sharing the gospel and one comes to Christ in salvation, then what you've done is you've birthed a child and you're not taking care of it. And so our responsibility is not only to make disciples by evangelizing and sharing the gospel, but it's to mature them. It's to do exactly what this scripture says is baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanding you. That is our job as individuals, if you share the gospel with someone, they respond accordingly, they come to Christ in salvation, then it is your job as an individual to disciple that person. It is our job as a church to come together and aid you and help you in that and as a church to take care of that and to teach people and disciple people So we don't only share the gospel with somebody so that they can become a convert, but we teach them how to follow Christ. We teach them how to be a disciple but not only a disciple that just soaks in knowledge and sits in a pew or comes to attend every now and then or every week or committed or not committed, that we not only multiply them, we not only make and mature them, but we multiply them in the sense of that we make disciples that make disciples, that we, we share the gospel with someone that comes to know Christ. We teach them that it's their job, their responsibility to do the same thing, to take the gospel out to the world. Now, so often we think of this principle as something that has to uh, be accomplished—that you have to get to a certain level before you could share the gospel, before you could tell people about what Christ has done for them. But in all reality, that's not the case. It's the calling for an individual at the moment that they come to Christ in salvation. It is their calling and their responsibility to share the gospel with the lost. We see this most prominently found in the woman at the well. The woman at the well—she encounters the Messiah. She understands this is the Christ, and. What does she do immediately she goes to town she tells people that I have met the Messiah I have encountered him he has told me all that I have done and he is here and then she brings the entire town back with her it was just a moment of her after her salvation she does this the same thing in each and every individual that comes to Christ in salvation it is our responsibility to share the gospel. It doesn't matter if you've been saved a day or you've been saved a hundred years. That is your responsibility to share the gospel, to make disciples, to mature disciples, to multiply disciples. That is our first aspect this morning, is that our calling as a church is to accomplish that. And that's the calling of every individual in every church. As I said earlier, we could take this mission statement, you could plug it into a church in South Africa or in Europe or in Asia, and that would be their mission, that would be their calling, just like every other individual in this planet. And the way that we're going to accomplish that, the way that we're going to do this is first and foremost by loving God, loving one another, and loving unbelievers. It has to begin by loving God because what we see in Matthew chapter 22, 37 and 38, it says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the great and first command." That this is first and foremost, that we, before we can love anyone like we're called to love them, before we can love one another, before we can take the gospel out, our love for God has to be there. We have to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment of them all that we begin here. Now the question is, is how do we express our love for God? where ultimately in each and every one of our lives we show our love for God by living for Him, to by seeking His glory in every aspect of our life. If it is going to church, if it is going to your job, if it is eating at a restaurant, no matter what you do, that you're seeking to bring God glory in no matter what's going on. That is our chief end. That is our responsibility. Even so much so that eternity long we're going to be worshiping and bringing glory to God. So first and foremost, as individuals, you do it by everything you do in your life, seeking God's glory and God's will. But as a church, how do we accomplish that? Well, first and foremost, we accomplish it by doing what He's called us to do, bringing Him glory, but we also accomplish it by doing exactly what we're doing right now, and that is gathering together with brothers and sisters in Christ to praise and raise His name up high through the reading of Scripture, through the preaching of God's Word, through singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, by by taking communion when we do that, by baptizing new believers. This is how we bring glory to God in each and every week week in and week out that no matter what we do each week, we commit to coming and gathering together as brothers and sisters in Christ. That is our responsibility. And that's one way that we show our love for God. And this Sunday morning is a very important thing to me. It's a very crucial thing in scripture as well to keep the Sabbath day holy by gathering with brothers and sisters in Christ to praise our Lord and Savior. So we accomplish this mission by loving God, but also by loving one another. See, John thirteen five. It says, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now we've talked about this scripture a whole lot since I've been here. Uh, We've talked about this scripture a whole lot as individuals and as people of this church because many of us have come from churches where it was not a good experience. Many of us have come from places in life where there was not a love for one another generally in the church. And there's, there's, there's something wrong with that. That's why when you look at our community, you'll see one or two things mainly. You'll see ones that have never come to Christ in salvation, and you'll see individuals that know Christ, but they have been hurt so strongly by other believers that they have left the church altogether. And that is a horrible thing because we cannot have a relationship with Christ without a relationship with His bride, and that is the church. And so the issue with this is that if for us to be known as his disciples, for us to be known as a church that desires to love and to reach our community, we have to first and foremost love one another. Now this doesn't mean that we won't have issues, we won't butt heads, we won't have problems. This doesn't mean that we won't be perfect and not backbiting or not having issues. We're people, we're broken, we're fallen. That will happen to some extent. But the thing is, for us to truly love one another, that love has to be grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the love that God provides through Christ Jesus is a love that that goes beyond any racial or economical or social or age barriers. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the love that is found in that, will cause you to love people that you would not love naturally. It will cause you to get along and spend time with people that just does not make sense at times. Because the love of the gospel is the love that we have for one another. We forgive one another. We've, we let go of things that hurt us. We let go of our preferences and we hold on to the preferences of that of God that would reach out to the world around us. So we accomplish this mission of making, maturing, and multiplying disciples by first and foremost loving God with all that we are, by loving one another, and then loving unbelievers. Now, this is the backside of Matthew 22, 37, 38. It's 39, it says the second is like it. The second greatest commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now the question that always comes in the hand here is who is your neighbor? And your neighbor is everyone. Your neighbor is everyone that you encounter. Your neighbor is not the person that lives to the left or the right of you or front or behind you. Your neighbor is every individual. So much so that this was uh, solidified in the, the parable of the Good Samaritan that saw a brother that was broken down on the side of the thing and there was a priest and a, and a rabbi and all these people came by and saw this man that was robbed and tore to pieces and they didn't help him once. But the man that was lower on social status, the good Samaritan, steps in, takes care of his brother and he provides for him. And this was the, the point of all of that was saying that everyone is your, your neighbor. So we're called to love those that are lost. We're called to love those in our community that doesn't know Jesus. We're called to love those that are stuck in in their sin that don't know Christ. We're called to love those that are drunkards or drug addicts or homosexuals or whatever the case may be because if they don't know Christ, then they are doomed to a path of hell. And the question that always falls into my mind when I talk about loving unbelievers is do we truly love unbelievers? Do we truly love them? Because I think about the words of Paul when he, when he tells this church that he's never met before, that if it was up to me, I would give up my own salvation so that you could be saved. That is a love for unbelievers. That is a love for the lost. Now, do we have that love? Probably not. We probably don't love the unbelievers or, or the lost so strongly that we would give up our own salvation for them because most of the time we won't simply share the gospel with them. So this is how we accomplish this mission is by loving God, loving one another, and loving unbelievers. Now, how are we going to try to accomplish that this year? What are some ways in which we've we've discussed as a church and really uh, as I've prayed and sought the Lord over this, how are we going to try to accomplish this? Well, first and foremost, it's a renewal of the gospel in our church. It's a better understanding of the gospel in our church, and it begins on exactly what we just did, and we, uh, Troy, if you didn't know this, he's going to be helping us out for a short period of time, Uh, but before that, me and Troy, when Troy was still here as the worship pastor, we uh, evaluated our worship service and how we laid it out and how we founded the worship service and how we founded it was simply sharing the gospel in everything that we do on Sunday morning. So the first song that we sing every morning or the first scripture that we read every morning, if you haven't called on to this yet, is a song that is declaring or a scripture that is declaring who God is. And so the first part of the gospel is knowing that God is perfect, God is holy, God is our creator. And the second song is always a song of confession, showing that who we are to God, who we are sinful, broken, fallen men that can't save ourselves, which is the second part of the gospel is that we are fallen, broken, and can't save ourselves. And so because of that, we have been separated from God. And the third thing that we do, either in song or in scripture, is declaring what Christ has done for us on the cross. And then after that, we sing a song of adoration, a song of praise of what God has accomplished for us. And then at the very end of the sermon, after the sermon, we always talk about, we always do a song of a song of response because we have the opportunity to respond to the gospel. But not only is the gospel going to be continued to to be sung each and every week as a church, but this is why we're going to be doing this study on what is the gospel. And I want to encourage you, if you read or if you don't read, to get one of those books and read it as we go through that study because so often we ask ourselves, how? Why aren't we reaching the lost? Why aren't we reaching those that don't know Jesus? It's because so often we don't know how to share the gospel with somebody. So often we're so afraid, we're so crippled in fear that we don't share the gospel with anybody because we think we have to know just so much before we can. I don't think that's the case. But what I do know is that if I don't equip you as saints to share the gospel, then I'm not doing my job. And so for eight weeks, I'm not sure if we're going to do it together, if we're going to do it in small groups. But for eight weeks, we're going to be looking at what is the gospel, and we're, my prayer and my hope is that for each and every one of us that commits to that class can be able to share the gospel with anybody in their life, if there be a family member, or a friend, or a coworker, or somebody they randomly meet, because it is our responsibility to share the gospel. That is going to happen on Wednesday nights in four weeks. I want to encourage you, and I would urge you to come and be a part of that. And if you can't, if your work prevents you or you're not able to, then get up with me. We will do it together one-on-one or two-on-two or three-on-three, whatever the case may be. But we will work through that because it is crucial that before we do anything else that we understand how to share the gospel with unbelievers. But also it's important that we understand and know that the gospel is not only meant for unbelievers, but is a renewal for us as well. Each and every day that we get up, we preach the gospel to ourselves so that we'll understand that Christ is our only hope and that we live for him, no longer living for ourselves. Second big way we plan to do this is um, reaching out to our community. Now we're going to do that in various ways, just as we did last year. Uh, Most recently, we did the fruit baskets, um, and I thought that was wonderful. I thought that was a fantastic thing that we did. And we did other little things throughout the year that we're going to continue to do, but one big one that we're going to come back to, uh, as I reflected on the the origin of the church and the beginning of the church, it's reaching out to the first responders into the Vernon community, the Vernon area and the surrounding area. Uh, Really, when we did that, we did Christmas cards not too long ago, If you're a part of a fire department, EMS or whatever, and you haven't got that, it's because I got them there a little late because we waited to the last minute. But this is something that we're going to be doing this year. We're going to be reaching out to the first responders. And most likely what that will be looking like is each quarter selecting a certain part of the first responders and doing a meal for them and having a service that is centered around that so that we can share the gospel and share the love of Christ to them and being committing to praying for them and loving them and, and being there for them in what they do. And I was even more reminded of that this morning that when I woke up and I heard of some cops that lost their life in Birmingham, which isn't too far from here. And I think of Jacob that preached here last week. I think of him being EMS in, um, in uh, Selma. Thank you. Um, and talking about what the EMS people deal with on a day-in and day basis, or what we deal with, or even three nights ago when somebody's house was burning down the street from me, and you hear fire department and people taking up their time to try to help those individuals. See, this is a big way of doing it because when we did the Christmas cards, what I realized is there was I think there was almost 200 people that was some form of EMS in our community, There's a big chunk of people to be able to reach you. And I'm not saying they're lost. I'm not saying all of them don't know Jesus. I'm not saying they don't go to church. I'm not saying any of that. Because many of you are a part of this church that helped in these areas. But this is a big way which we were hoping to accomplish that this year of reaching out into our community. Now, like I said, we're still going to do other things as well. But this is a big area which we're going to undertake this next year. Because really when this church started, it started out of the Rescue Squad building in Vernon. And that was the heart of it. And so we're going to reflect back on that this year and reach out into our community in that capacity. So, as I said, there's many other ways which we pray and hope to accomplish this. But the two big ones is a renewal of the gospel in our church and reaching first responders. Really, the heart of the matter, though, is how are we going to accomplish it? We know what our mission is. We know how we're going to attempt to do this. But in what capacity do we do this? Well, that's why I get to my scripture this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It begins by understanding that it takes, it takes each and every one of us to accomplish this. It takes each and every one of us that make up the body of Christ, this local body, to accomplish the mission in which God has given us. And that's why I read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12 through 27. And that's why I have these Mr. Potato Head dolls here. And so just to take a moment to explain it, uh, and just to talk about it just a little bit, but this guy looks funny, right? He's got all ears, uh, and this guy's got all arms. He looks funny, uh, But it doesn't function, right? I mean, if this were real individuals, as the scripture has told us, that they don't function unless every part of the body is functioning. But if this thing has all ears and this thing has all arms. So this guy right here, um, you know, he can hear really good, but he can't reach out. He can't accomplish that. This guy, he can reach out, but he can't hear anything. And same thing. If I took and I twisted the eyes around or the nose around, there would be no side or no nose. And the, the significance to all of that is that when the body operates like it's supposed to, then everything is working perfectly in unison. Reaching, walking, stepping, running, smelling, breathing, eating. If the body operates like it's supposed to, then it's working perfectly fine. I think about this past week. I've had some issues with my lower back and. Um, it, and I, it caused me to where well, I couldn't sit a certain way or, or even stand a certain way. Even to the point of yesterday when I woke up, I was walking like an old man with a, with a walker. You know what I'm saying? I was like this right here walking the whole time. Thank God for emergency rooms. But, um, you know, whenever that small little thing was out of whack with my body, it caused everything else to be out of order. The same thing in the body of Christ. That if we don't understand that the body of Christ is made up of all members... No matter, what their, no matter what their background is, that it's made up of all members, all individuals, and that they all have a role and a function in the church, unless we operate like that, then the body is not functioning like it should. If it's not operating like that, the body isn't accomplishing what it could accomplish because different people have different skill sets and different abilities and different callings. That if we're not working to, together to accomplish the mission, then we're lacking. We're missing out on what we could be doing as a church. Now, maybe, maybe there's a there's an issue with the way we've structured things or the way we do things that cause people not to be active or not to help, or maybe it's because of personal preferences, or maybe I'm not sure what it is, but what I do know and what I do understand is that it takes each and every one of us to accomplish the mission in which God is calling this church to. Not too long ago on Wednesday nights. And I've done this multiple times. I asked the question of how did you end up here? And everybody had a different little story. You know, their kids came here. Their friends invited them. They were there from the beginning. Uh, They were called to as a pastor. They came to help. Uh, Everybody had a different reasoning of how they ended up at this church. But regardless of the reasoning, what we have to understand is that God has placed you here for the season. that He's placed you here for a reason and a purpose. And that reason and a purpose is not to sit in a pew or not to come occasionally, but it's to get busy doing what God is calling the church to do. And it takes you to do it. Simple. It's plain. It takes each and every one of us. But not only does it take each and every one of us, but it also takes us to committing to prayer. And the reason we see this in Colossians 4, 2 says continually, steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, that we ought to continually being prayer, that God would use us as individuals and use us as a church to accomplish his mission in Vernon, Alabama, by doing these things. But why? Why do we commit to prayer? Why do we commit to praying and asking God for these things? Well, you know, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen says, and Jesus came and said to them, "All authority and in heaven has been given to me." So Christ has all authority on heaven and on earth. And then one a says, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem." And it goes on to some rest. The reason why we seek the Lord in prayer, the reason why we commit to prayer as individuals and as a church, is because that we do not accomplish this on our own. We cannot and we will not reach the lost. We will not and we cannot love God, love one another, and, and love unbelievers the way that we should unless God is empowering us to do so. God not only calls us to salvation, but he empowers us to do his will in this life. And so as we focus this year, we've got to focus on first and foremost understanding that it takes each and every one of us to accomplish that. That means if it takes you, you are an important person in this church no matter what you're calling, no matter what your responsibility is, it takes you to accomplish what God has called you to. So first and foremost, let you as an individual and let us as a church commit to praying because we understand that God is the one that empowers us to do his work on this earth. We cannot do it on our own. We must, must seek His empowerment, because he is the only thing that will enable us to be his witnesses to the world around us. So this morning, we looked at the mission statement. The mission statement is simple as to make mature and multiply disciples by loving God, loving one another and loving unbelievers. And as we seek to do that this year, I want to call us as a church to commit to praying that God would use us to empower us to, 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 to use each and every one of us. But as we focus on a few things this year, my prayer is that we would understand the gospel better in 2019 because the gospel is where we are, our empowerment begins. The gospel is where our salvation lies. The gospel is the most important thing in our lives. And if we don't truly understand it, we can't share it, and we can't reflect on it, and we can't live in the grace of God without it. So as Troy comes and gets ready to lead us in this last song, I want to first and foremost maybe you hear the gospel this morning and you've never responded to it yourself. You, you talk about the reason why you're inactive, the reason why you're not doing what you should be doing in the church is because you don't truly know Christ. You've never loved him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then my prayer is that you would respond. That if God's calling you, you respond. You, 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 you pray and repent of your sins. Turn to Jesus. Bring it before this church and let's, let's do that maybe you're here and that's not the issue maybe you're here and you just had a lack of commitment in this last 2018 or years before that and that you've just lost this desire to be used by God my prayer is that you would have a commitment this morning a renewal of that, that, that gospel love that you once had for those around you I want to call us this evening, this morning whatever, day, whatever time of the day it is if you want to sit where you are, stand where you are if you want to come down here, whatever the case may be But let's be in prayer that God would use you as an individual. Pray for yourself, but also pray for Lighthouse Community Church that we would be used by God in this year to see lost people saved. But not only saved, but discipled so that they could follow after Christ and do the same thing. And let's not forget that it's God's empowerment that we accomplish any of this. So it has to be grounded in trusting in Christ, not only for salvation, but for empowerment of to accomplish him, what he's called us to. So I'm going to pray. Troy's going to lead us in. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, I think. And not only in salvation, but in the empowerment of his will. And if you want to come, you want to pray, I encourage you to. If you want to stand, you want to pray, I encourage you to. If you want to sit and pray, I encourage you to. If you want to stand and lift up your hands and praise God for the great love and mercy that he has bestowed upon us, do that as well. But ultimately, let us as a church in 2019 commit to seeing his work accomplished.